Thank you so much for joining us today for our LifePoint podcast. At LifePoint, we believe everyone's welcome, nobody's perfect, and with God, anything's possible. Hope you enjoy. Well, good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing in the room? Everybody good? You guys good? I want to say a big welcome again to all of you guys who are online as well. We love you guys so much. We're so grateful that you're part of our church family. And I know we've already done this, but can you guys give them one more hand? Thank you guys so much. Love you guys. Two things real quick before I jump into the message. By the way, my name is Danny Rivers, and I'm one of the pastors here at LifePoint. Uh, and I'm so glad to be back home. I was in the Philippines last weekend uh, visiting our orphanage there, Ima's home. I'll tell you about that in a little bit. I'm a little bit jet lagged still, so I don't know what's going to come out of my mouth. If it's just forgive me, if it's bad, right? right forgive me, brother. Um, I just got to say a big thank you to all the men who came to our, our man night out on Friday night and all the team that was there. Give it up for those guys. Thank you guys so much. <clears throat> Next Sunday, we're starting a brand new series. Actually, there are cards in your chairs there. It's called If Money Talked. Uh, we know there's a recession. We know there's inflation. We know there's stuff going on. I know there's pressure on people. And we just want to help. We want to come alongside you as a church family. We want to go to the scriptures and, and just give very practical help. And in fact, we're going to launch a life group called If Money Talked uh, at the same time. And you can sign up for that next Sunday. If you have challenges in your finances or if you just want to get better at finances, this group will be for you. It's just a four-week quick pop-up group that will go right along with the series and we just want to help. That's all I'm telling you is we just want to help uh, as we're going through this. <clears throat> we're in this little mini-series um, that we're calling Up All Night. Uh, last week, Pastor Andy, if you missed, um, talked about anxiety, did a masterful job as, as always. Uh, I heard so many good comments about the, the, the message. You can check that out on YouTube or on our website, lifeonesa.com. Um, and I know that anxiety is a real issue uh, for so many people, people who are in this room right now, uh, people who are watching this online, maybe you're going to hear this on a podcast later. I know it's a real thing. Today, I want to go to another thing that keeps, uh, kept, keeps me up at night, often, unfortunately, and that's worry that sometimes devolves into actual fear. Uh, I'm guessing that there are many of you who right now are worried about something uh, that's going on in your life. You've got an ongoing weight that you're carrying around. It's a burden for somebody that you love. Uh, maybe it's a, a health thing that's going on. Maybe it's a financial thing that's going on. You're praying, God, please help. God, please change this thing. And what happens is over time, as worries tends to set in, is our hearts begin to slip into the state of, of perpetual tossing and, and turning and uh, making for long, restless nights and weary, weary days, and, and fear and worry can become constant companions, and they do so much to disrupt the, the health of our bodies. There's all this data out there about what it does to our blood pressure and what blood pressure does to other parts of our bodies, and, and, and it just doesn't, doesn't just disrupt our bodies, but it disrupts our souls and, and, and our minds and, our, and, and ultimately our, our mental well-being. Now, now, you may be thinking, we, we talked about anxiety last week, Danny, and now we're talking about worry. Aren't they the same thing? And I would say no. I think they're very closely related, uh, th- like first cousins. Come on, can I get an amen, somebody, right? Um, but I think they're actually different in, in some ways. I have said this before, but I have dealt with anxiety in my own life. Uh, and I've told you before, if you've been here for a while, that in 2016, 
I um, was having a series of health crises to the extent that my doctors and the pastors who oversee me uh, shut me down. I, I remember distinctly it was my birthday, November 16th, uh, 13th. Rather. See, I've been in the Philippines. I don't even remember what my birthday is. Um, <clears throat> and I had to go up to the church that day and say, hey, listen, guys, I'm so sorry. My doctors, my, my pastors have told me that I got to take some time out. Um, and, and in fact, <clears throat> during that fall season, <clears throat> I had a series of what I now know, uh, according to my doctors, were, were panic attacks. And, and I had never experienced anything like that before. And if I'm honest, I didn't think that they were a real thing. If I'm really honest, I did not think they were a real thing. I thought it was just things that people were struggling, you know, emotionally, whatever. And of course, I know now that that's silly and, 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 and ignorant, really. And, and I discovered for myself how very real anxiety is when I thought the first time that I had one of these that I was going to die. Um, some of the staff was with me. My wife was there. I thought I was dying, that I was done. I thought my heart was failing me. I couldn't breathe. And, and, and so I, I get it now, okay, everybody? I get it now. <clears throat> I, I think, though, that chronic worry and fear can breed anxiety, can devolve into anxiety for sure. But, but I think, at the risk of oversimplifying this, I'm just gonna tell you sort of experientially for my own life, that worry is something that you experience mostly in your mind. Um, and anxiety is often something that you experience in your body. Can I kind of say it that way? Like, like that worry is more specific, that I'm worried about this thing, I'm worried about this thing that's going on, and it affects your, your mental well-being. And anxiety is more, uh, often more holistic, more generalized, and it affects body, soul, mind, the whole thing. And, and again, I know I'm oversimplifying it, but I, that's how I've experienced it. I'll say it that way. Like, like I'll give you, for instance, I can, y- you ever have an early morning flight? Anybody have an early morning flight? And you set 76 alarms, but you don't trust any one of them. Can I get an amen, right? <laughs> you feel like I got to worry about it all night and that will be very helpful. Come on, somebody, to worry about oversleeping all night long. Like, that's worry. I can worry about missing my flight. That keeps me up at night almost every time. But last week, when I, I had flown to LA and I was about to head to Tokyo and then ultimately to Manila, I had an 11-hour flight across the pond, right, so to speak, uh, to Tokyo. And I felt, as I was in line to board that plane, I felt a very real sense of anxiety that I didn't even tell my wife this yet. She's hearing it right now for the first time. I almost didn't get on the plane. I was like, I don't want, come on, y'all know that's a lot of water, 11 hours worth of water. That's a lot of water. And I, and I had looked at the map and there's no land. Come on, praise God. There's no place to land that bad boy if things go down. Can I get a witness on that? Some of you are like, I'm not going with you next year to the Philippines now that you mention it like that. Like, so I'm in the line and I started to get nauseous. Like I felt nauseous. I, my heart rate went up. Come on, I got sweaty. I, I was just like sweating for no reasons. Like, like, like it's just spraying. Uh, anyway, that's too much. That's too much. <clears throat> That's anxiety. That was, ang- that was anxiety. It was affecting me physically, right? I felt it in my body. Now, worry tends to be a thought that gets stuck and repeats itself over and over again in my mind. And for me, most often during the night, um, often in the night. And it's weird when I wake up and I think about what I was thinking about, I was like, bro, that's not a big deal. But at night, come on, somebody. It's like, I'm going to die if I don't pay that bill on the first thing in the morning that I forgot to pay. But in, you know, it's like, dude, just pay it in the morning. It's no big deal. But in the middle of the night, come on, somebody. It's like, it's the worst thing ever, right? Okay, it's just me. I see how it is. Uh, can't shut that thought off on my own. 
It keeps going on. And, and, and worry, according to the World Health Organization, is a huge issue. And, 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 and this thing I read said that Americans uh, are the most worried society in the world. So you're welcome. Thank you for that bit of good news, right? We lead the, we lead the world, everybody, in, in worry. Um, yeah. 60%, according to um, some recent data I read, 60% of Americans deal daily with um, chronic worry and stress. 60%, which means more than half of us, those of you on the, watching online, aren't even able to focus right now because you're thinking, that's interesting, but I got to pay that bill. He just reminded me about that bill that I didn't pay. Right? We're worried. Now, now, here's the deal. Why is that? Why, why is it that so many of us find ourselves battling uh, with worry? And I'm not talking about worry like, did I turn off the iron, right? Come on, did I leave the water running, right? That, that's normal. There's normal worries. I'm talking about chronic worry. I, I want to unpack it a bit today. I hope you'll find it helpful, but I think that at its core, and of course, this is a very pastoral, preachy thing for me to say, but it's true nonetheless. It's because of our sin nature that we worry. The, the psalmist David said, Behold, I was born in sin and shapen in iniquity. Now, I know that those of you who have babies that are your first baby, you don't realize that we are literally born in sin. You think, Not my baby. Wait till they're two. Come on, praise God for that. Those of you who have parents, wait till they're two. Maybe, it's th- maybe you get a break till three, right? But at some point, you're going to realize, Oh, they were born in sin and shapen in iniquity, right? Come on, parents. Some of you got a little baby. You're like, no way. Just wait. Just wait on it. Talk to us in two years. Okay, come on. Right? Right? We're, that, this is our sin nature. And, and, and our sin nature causes us to default towards fear instead of defaulting towards faith. Like, I'll prove it to you. Think about the last time you laid awake at night, up all night worried. Were you worried about the goodness of God and the blessings of God in your life and the faithfulness of God? Or were you worried about your health, your finances, or a conflict relationally that you were going through, right? You devolved towards fear rather, default towards fear rather than defaulting towards faith, right? I've said this before, but, but so many of us have a disease, and the disease is called scenario sickness, Right? which is a wrong use of the imagination, right? Some of us have very active imaginations. My mother has said this to me for years because my imagination is overly vivid. Daniel, must you be so graphic? She talks just like that, by the way, right? Very proper, my mom. Me, on the other hand, not so much, all right? All right like, no, for sure, you're definitely not like that, right? But, but, but what happens is we, we can create scenarios in our minds that anticipate the worst instead of anticipating the best. We can assume the worst about other people rather than assuming the best about other people. That's scenario sickness. Some of us go looking for things to be afraid of and worried about. Come on, right? You're like, I'm in some far left or far right website and like this guy's living in a cave. He doesn't have any teeth or whatever, but he knows he's got secret insights into this thing that's gonna happen someday. Come on, y'all. Y'all know that's happening, right? Right? And, and, and in fact, scenario sickness is contagious, Right? It gets on. We give, we're like, oh, did you hear this? We forward all these things to each other. It's like, oh, I saw this on this website. It's got to be true. Right? We, we love to do that. In fact, the prophet Isaiah, thousands of years ago, here's what he says about this. He says, this is what the Lord says to me with his strong hand upon me, warning me not to follow the ways of this people. He says, do not call conspiracy everything this people calls a conspiracy. Do not fear what they fear and do not dread it. 
Like, like it's not even real. In fact, there was this Penn State study that said 91% of the things that we're afraid of never happen. And some of you are going, yeah, but what about that 9%, right? <laughs> Scenario sickness, right? This, this, this is just a word for us that we fear things that, and we worry about things that don't happen. The thing is that worry has the ability to manipulate our perspective on any given situation so that many people are consumed with what if rather than what is, right? The, 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 Paul said that we are supposed to think on, 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 on these things, whatever's true, whatever's honest, whatever's noble, whatever's virtuous. Think on this is what is, but we worry about what if. Focusing on all the what ifs breeds worry, fear in our lives. And we can't say, hey, I'm a person of faith while we're constantly worried about all the what ifs. They are not congruent. Like I, some of the, the people who pray the most fear the most. And I'm like, something's wrong in your prayer life if you're con- chronically worried and afraid. Now, I, I read this quote from Billy Graham and I've thrown it out here before, but I think it's apropos uh, for right now. He said that anxiety is the natural result when our hopes are centered in anything short of God and his will for us. So, so that's true. And now listen, listen, I, I don't want to dumb this down because I know that anxiety and depression can also be the result of chemistry that's gone awry in our bodies and our brains. But, but some of it is obviously definitely what we just read from Billy Graham. And I think that worry falls into the same category. The reality is fear and worry are most of the time, not all the time, but most of the time unnecessary burdens that we carry. We already face challenges. We already have setbacks. That's the human condition. Why add to them the weight of worry when we can't control outcomes, right? So it's not God's will for you to lay awake at night worried. So, so, so if Jesus came up out of that grave, and I believe that he did, and he brought freedom to us in Christ, he, he expects that we would walk fearless in this world. In fact, he tells his disciples in John, in John chapter 16, he says, in this world, you will have what? Trouble, but take heart, exclamation point. He says, because I have overcome the world. And he wants to break the chain of fear and worry in our lives. So there's this kind of foundational passage on worry that Jesus teaches us. It's found in Matthew 6. If you have your Bibles, you can go there with me now on your phones, however you have it. If you have a paper Bible, praise God for that as well, right? Matthew 6, this is right in the middle of his famous Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, right in the middle is this foundational teaching on on worry. And here's what he says in verse 25. He says, therefore, I tell you, say it with me now, do not worry about, and he tells us what not to worry about, about your life. And then he breaks that down, what you're going to eat or drink, right? Or about your, your body, like, like your, your health, your fitness, right? What you will wear. It is not life more than food and the body more than clothes. Some of you go, I don't know if it's about more than food. Come on, praise God for that, right? <laughs> now, let's remind you about something. Anytime we see this word in the scriptures, therefore, we're supposed to ask ourselves a question. And the question is, what's it therefore? Meaning, meaning, What's the context? What, what, what precedes that word 
that's going to give light on what follows. Okay? So let's go back one verse to get the therefore. Jesus is talking about money. In verse 24, he says, Nobody can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one, love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So, so he's saying, I'm telling you now, in light of therefore, do not worry about money or about finances or about stock markets or inflation or recessions. Like, like they're a problem. They're out there. They're go- it's going down. Don't fret about it. Don't live carelessly. Don't not plan. That's not what he's saying, right? But don't, don't allow money to become your functional savior. Like where you trust in it and wealth, because the Bible says that some trust in, in, in wealth, but wealth is never going to accomplish for us what we hope it will. And when we think it's going to save us, we're going to be very, very disappointed. So don't worry about money. Don't worry about food. Don't worry about your body. Don't worry about your fitness, your health, your clothes. Don't spend energy worrying about those things. But I think it's true that many of us spend exactly that, that time worried about those, those same things. And then he says in verse 34, he says, therefore, he says it again, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will what? Will worry about itself, right? He says, in fact, each day has enough trouble of its own, right? Don't, like, like today is hard enough to get through without going, what's going to happen in the future? Yes or no, right? So, so let's, let's, let's revisit. Don't worry about finances. Don't worry about future. Don't worry about your body, fitness, your health, right? Don't worry about fashion, your clothes, right? And don't worry about the future, right? So now I want you to think about what we worry about. It tends to fall in many of those categories. Not always, but many of the times. Now, these are the things that keep us up at night. He says, don't worry about them. So then Jesus says, here's what I want you to do with that. This is later on, Matthew 11. He says, come unto me, all who labor and are heavy laden with worry, with cares, and I will give you rest. Now here's my question for this text, this verse. What are we laboring over in life? And why are we, what are we heavy laden with? What is it exactly that we're supposed to come to Jesus with? Well, it's the stuff that keeps us up at night, right? We're heavy laden with cares and worries and concerns. We're laboring under the weight of all of the what ifs in life. And we're exhausted at a, at a soul level because we're carrying around things we weren't meant to carry, right? Th- think about this. Doesn't Jesus' command, do not worry, t- repeated twice in that, that passage we just read, isn't it seem unreasonable? A little bit, come on, be honest. Isn't that a little bit re- unreasonable? Like, what are, you, what are you talking about, Willis? Right? Like, of course I'm going to worry. It's like he didn't get it. Uh, the, the modern world, right? We, we've got wars. We've got terrorism. We've got recessions. We've got inflations. We've got bills. Come on. We got the price of bacon to worry about. Anybody seen this lately? Like, what? This little pack of bacon's $12? What kind of pig is this? Come on, praise God. What they feed that thing? 
right? Because like, I can't have that threadbare bacon, y'all. Come on, you with me on this? Like, I don't want to see through the bacon. Like, I want the thick kind. Come on, praise God for this. It's so thick that one slice takes off a year of your life, but it's worth it, baby. Like, 12 bucks, I could buy a filet for that. But I'd rather have the bacon. Because he could take the bacon and wrap it around the filet, and now it's at a whole, come on, it's at a whole nother level, right? How can we not worry with bacon at $12? Anyways, that's just Danny problems, right? <clears throat> Yet he, he makes the, this is why he makes the command, right? Don't worry, because worry doesn't solve anything. And so he goes in verse 27, and he says, can, can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? Is your worrying producing anything of value? Right? In this life, there are things you were never meant to carry. What I mean is things beyond your control. You were not meant to carry those. And when you try to carry it anyway, the net result of that will be stress, burnout, fear, worry, and anxiety. This is why Peter says you have to cast all of your cares upon Jesus and especially those things which are beyond your control. So I think it was Ralph Waldo Emerson who said that worry does not empty tomorrow of its sorrows. It empties today of its strength. Worry does not empty tomorrow of its sorrows, but it does empty today of its strength. So, so then let's make this distinction, right? I want to be practical here. There are things that are in your control, and there are things that are not in your control. Yes or no? Right? I know that you think you got it all, but you, come on, bad English, you don't got it all. Right? Right? And, and, and so we have to get clear on the category that the worry that we're fret, the thing we're ruminating over, where does it fit? Do I have any real control over the outcome? Could, could I fix this? Um, could, if, if I change this, could I fix that? Right? If you can't fix it, don't worry about it. And if you say, this is why I'm worried about it is because I have no control, then that's a trust issue. We'll get into that in just a second. If it falls into the beyond your control category, what good is it doing you to worry about it? You literally have no control of the outcome, which is why Jesus says, don't worry, because does worry add a single moment to your life? And the answer to the question is, of course not. Of course it doesn't. Now let's make another distinction. Because in the, in the things that are in my control category that I worry about, that's actually a concern, not a worry. So, so let me make that distinction. Concern and worry are two different things. Concern focuses on a challenge that I'm facing and motivates me to go, I got to fix that. I got to wake up tomorrow morning and pay that bill because you can do that. You should, come on, do that. It focuses on what might be the problem and what you could do about it. And first of all, every single problem that comes up in your life, you're supposed to take it to Jesus. First thing, first thing, if you're a follower of Jesus, some of you are not, I know that, I get that, right? But if you are, you say, Lord, this concern I have for this thing in my life, I'm going to start because I wear this bracelet right here, and I have been for seven years. It says, pray first. Pray first. Just every now and then, Danny, bro, why are you fretting? Did you pray yet? And the answer is oftentimes, I didn't pray yet. But if I pray first, 
then I can expect that God is going to, to, to respond. I can expect that, right? So you start to realize, this is, a, this is from my own life. Back in June, went for my regular labs, um, my kidney labs. The labs came back really bad, worse than they've ever been. So I was like, whoa, 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 wake up call. And that, I'm concerned about that. Um, so I can't control all of that, but there's some level of control that I have, which is I don't have to eat carne asada, come on, and big red every day. Come on, every, I want to. I want to, especially, come on, if you get the, the carne asada and you put some cheese on the top of it, right, and the good kind of salsa, like at, at, at Aguas Calientes on, on Babcock, they have two kinds of salsa. There's the green, there's the fresh, and then there's the not fresh salsa, meaning it's been cooked, but you put all three of them together, bruh. <laughs> and then if you look in the window back in the back, there's a little lady back there pressing out homemade corn tortillas and frying it in lard, praise God for lard. Very healthy, very healthy. Don't worry about food. Come on, don't worry about food. That's what Jesus said. I'm feeling it right about here right now, all right? Like, so, so the bad labs, I was like, gotta lo- I got to shed pounds. And, and, I, and I had a control over that, and I did. I still got, don't, don't judge me. I still got more to go. I know, I know, right? Worry focuses on what's beyond our control. So concern causes us to see, hey, this is the problem. I'm going to act. But worry does the exact opposite. It focuses on things that are beyond our control and results in what? Inaction. So Craig Rochelle says that worry is stewing without doing. Come on, that's good. Write that down. I didn't think of it. If I did, I'd be smarter than I am. Come on, worry, right? Worry is stewing without doing. Again, this is why Jesus' command to not worry is so important. He knows it's not going to produce anything but more worry. It's not helpful. It's not going to change anything. Nothing's going to get better because of it. But things can get worse because of it, including your own mental health. So, let's, so he gives us an example, verse 26. He says, look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. Meaning they're not, they're not stewing, worrying, fretting, but, but they're still fed because they trust God. He says, are you not much more valuable than they are? Right? A couple of takeaways. First of it is that God cares even for the birds so that they have food. Rarely do birds starve to death. Right? And also, the second takeaway is you don't ever see birds except for birds of the night, but normal birds, come on, normal birds, they don't lay awake at night. Right? They're not tweeting. They're not wringing their fingers or whatever they got about what they're going to get. But listen, when they wake up in the morning, what do they do? God provided it for me. I got to go out and get it. And they go out and find food, right? They're not waiting for it to fall into their lap. They don't have laps. But if they did, they, they, yeah, right? Jesus says, why are you, like, even the birds get this. Even the birds understand this. Why are you worried? And, 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 and so then back to the, the practical side of this. If it's in your control, then it's a concern and it's not a worry. You're going to come up with a plan which starts with, I'm going to pray about it. I'm going to pray about it. And, and then you're going to go out and you're going to do something about it. Um, and, and so here's, here's where the rub comes in, everybody. And I, I, don't, I, don't want to, I don't want to hurt your feelings, but I'm stepping on my toes. The rub is it really comes down to who do you trust with your life? With your hopes, with your dreams, with your family, with your kids, with your food, with your future, with your fitness, with your clothes. Who do you trust? And the honest answer is we don't trust God. You say, yes, I do. I would tell you, it doesn't come out so much by what we say or sing 
Worship is done out on the field, how we live our life. Where my treasure is, Jesus says, there is your heart also, right? So because when we're worrying, what, what happens is we're essentially saying to God, I don't trust you. When we're worrying, we're essentially saying to God, I don't trust that your, your plan is good. I don't trust that you are with me or for me. I don't believe that you love my family as much as I love my family, but the truth is he loves them way more than you and I love our own families. And, and, and I don't believe that you see me here tossing and turning through the night, even though David said, you see me tossing and turning throughout the night. Listen, I know this is a tough thing to hear, right? But, but I'm saying this to me too. In fact, it's, it's tough enough that I expected the crowd to be smaller next week. Come on, right? Sometimes we preach and I tell them on Monday, it's gonna be smaller next week, all right? But listen, because folk don't like truth, but I'm gonna tell you something. We're gonna still say the truth. And the truth is, is we don't trust Jesus the way I saw they trust Jesus in the Philippines, because we got everything we think we need and we don't think we have to trust Jesus. But I'm, this, I'm as vulnerable to worry as anybody. But here's the truth. What you worry about most could reveal where you trust God the least. Th- think, think about that for just a minute. What is it that you worry about most? Think about it. Just give it, think about it. That's probably the place where you trust God the least. It really boils down to who do you trust? What do you trust? Whatever it is, if it's money, if it's, if it's you, if it's your strength, your intellect, your creativity, your power, your fame, your fortune, your education, that thing, whatever it is that you trust most is your functional savior. I don't care if you say, no, Jesus is my savior. If you don't live that way, then functionally, he's not your savior, right? And the truth is, is some of us are putting our trust in anything and anyone but Jesus. Your trust is in your wealth, your education, your career, your relationships, your connections. And in fact, some of you, hang on now, some of you have been so blessed by God and now the blessings of God in your life have become curses because you have started to put your trust in the blessings and not in the blesser. Right? Come on, I I don't want to hurt your feelings, but in spite of all that some of us have, we've never been more miserable. For some of you, your personal life, your family life, your mental life is in disarray because even though you say you follow Jesus, you're actually following your way, not God's way. And you would argue, no, 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 I follow God's way. But listen, God's way does not create chaos and disorder and disruption. Your way does. My way does. And this is why Jesus says in verse 33, which by the way, this is part of the same worry discourse, part of the same text. He says, but say it with me, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things, food, future, fitness, you know, health, all of these things will be what? Given to you as well. There is a priority principle in play when it comes to worry. So here's how this works. When, when we get things out of order in our lives, meaning Jesus isn't first, but other things are, when we get things in the wrong order, it creates disorder. So, so let me say it like this. When things get out of order, it creates disorder. And think about it this way. Dis- d- disorder is what causes worry in the first place. When things are not the way they should be. When things are not the way we want them to be. When things are out of order financially and that Jesus isn't first in my life. Relationally, in, in terms of our health, our mental well-being. This is when and why we worry. Disorder creates worry. Jesus' solution is, first, don't do it. Do not worry. He tells us that twice. His second command is, but seek first the kingdom of God 
and his righteousness and all the things that you're tending to worry about will be what? Given. Given. It's priority. Order. Order matters to God. The world, the universe is an orderly world. It's in order. The things that God creates in order. Human beings create disorder. Disunity, right? This is what happens. When you order your life and your family's life around Jesus being first financially, fitness, health, fashion, all of it. When you put Jesus first, worry tends to not be a problem because your ultimate trust is in Jesus. Christ is my firm foundation. He'll never let me down. He won't. He won't. We just sang it. He won't. Right? And, and I got to just say this. I'm going to dig down. L- worry is not just a benign trait like, oh, my mother's just a worry ward. No, no, no. It's not benign. It's not natural. It's super detrimental to our spiritual life. In fact, Jesus is talking about how the word of God is like a farmer sowing seeds. Matthew 13. He says, he throws it in. Some of it falls on good ground. But then he gets to the thorny ground soil. He says the seed, which is the word of God, falling among the thorns, refers to someone who has, who hears the word, but the Worries of this life. What am I going to eat? What's the future look like? What am I going to wear? Where, where am I going to live? The worries of this life. And notice this. The deceitfulness of wealth chokes out the word, making it unfruitful. So worry is not passive. It is not benign. Worry about finances, food, clothing, the cares of life chokes out the word of God. Worry is an active It is not benign. It is an active disruptor of peace, of joy, of spiritual health, not to mention a disruptor of of spiritual and mental health. It's nothing to play with, but we think, oh, it's just a thing. It's just what we do, 60% of us. (laughs) No, 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 don't laugh, right? So so there is, there's a truth here. Based on this this text right here, there is a deep correlation between worry and a lack of faith. So, so when, when worry goes up, oftentimes it's because prayer life has gone down. Worry goes up when the priority of, of God's word being read and absorbed by me on a daily basis goes down. Worry goes up when gathering with the people of God on the first day of the week gets ignored. Worry goes up when sleep and rest and Sabbath, which is a command of Jesus, of God, right? When, when it isn't a priority. In the life of the believer, and I know not everybody is, but in the life of the believer, there is a direct correlation between faithfulness to the things of God and, and a strong faith. And there's a correlation then between faithlessness to the things of God and worry. This is what the text is telling us. Faith goes up, worry starts to go down priority of Jesus first in my life, disorder goes away and order gets, gets a foothold. Worry, Jesus says, is a thorn that chokes out the word of God and the presence of God and the presence of joy and the presence of, of peace. And it makes God's word actually not bear fruit the way it's meant to bear fruit. Like, Danny, I come to church, man. I listen, I pray, but, but nothing's happening. I would say, stop and examine the role that worry or the deceitfulness of wealth is playing in your life. 
it could be that the ground that the word is falling on your heart has not been tilled up. The thorns have not been dealt with. So, this is why Jesus says, don't worry and seek first the kingdom of God. And here's the principle. Give God your first and your best of all of it and trust him with the rest. Now, the question is, if worry is chronic in your life, are you putting God first? Is Jesus the Lord of all in your life and in mine? See, when your trust is in you and you run out of you, don't blame that on God. When you panic and say, my family is disordered and crazy right now, don't blame that on God if you haven't put God first. If you have, go talk to him about it, but you won't. You won't. Now, last thing. If any of this is true of you, certainly it has been for me, then you need to do what I've done. I've had to do this very recently. You need to repent. I'm going to call you to repentance. That sounds like a scary thing. No, it's not. Repentance just means turn around. I'm walking this way. The word of the Lord quickens to me. I repent and I turn. And here's what happens to the weary soul, to the heavy laden soul. Here's what happens, Acts 3.19. Repent then, and and this this is the explanation of repentance. Turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out and that times of refreshing may come. I'm worried, I'm beat down, I'm heavy laden. Repent. God, I'm sorry that I have not put you first in my life. I realize the resulting disorder financially, disorder relationally, disorder in terms of my health, where I've been trusting everybody but you. I realize I see it now. I repent of it. I turn to you. And then you can expect... Come on, because it's God's word. You can expect times of refreshing to come. Today is an opportunity for you and for me who've been being, who, who, are being, who are up all night to take that person, that care, that concern, that fear, that burden, and to seek him first, to take it to Jesus. Jesus says, come unto me, all you who are weary, and heavy laden, and I will give you, say it with me, rest for your souls. First Peter 5 and 7 says, cast all of your anxieties upon him. Why? Because he cares for you. The old prophet Isaiah, in his messianic text, he says, 
uh, in, in Isaiah 61, he says, and he's talking about Jesus. He says, the spirit of the Lord is, of the sovereign Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of, of beauty instead of the ashes of life, the oil of joy instead of mourning and, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. God, here's the heaviness of worry, of the labor. I, 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 I cast it on you, and I pick up, listen, I pick up a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. So the reason we come into this room, why it's so important that we gather, is because sometimes life is harder than we know how to handle. We bring that to Jesus, we cast it on him, and we make an exchange, we pick up a garment of praise, Father, I know that things are bad all around me and I'm laying awake here at night and I don't know what to do and I don't know how to get this thought turned off, but I want to just stop all of it and say, I'm going to give it to you and I worship you and I praise you. And praise, guys, is rocket fuel for the soul. It's a lifter of the soul. I don't, we don't gather here to sing a song, everybody. We gather here to lift up the name of Jesus. And in the process of that, we talked about this two weeks ago, his, his, his spirit comes down, his presence comes down, and it changes and it rearranges and, it, and, and he makes an exchange with us. And, and listen to me, you may have to do that seven, eight, ten times. God, this will not stop in my head, so I'm going to stop it down. And in and, 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 and 1 Corinthians it says, we cast down every imagination and every vain thought that comes up against, it, uh, against the knowledge of God. And I remind myself, God, you are greater than this worry, than this concern, than this fear. I'm going to stop it again. I'm going to cast it down again. In the name of Jesus Christ, I rebuke this fear this worry and I praise you instead and something happens guys something happens that cannot be explained any other way don't worry put Jesus first and and if you're dealing with it bring it to him and exchange it for a garment of praise and the oil of joy for, for and and, a, and the crown of beauty for ashes there is this is what Jesus said he was coming to this was this is an old testament text that Jesus repeated in Luke 4 again this is why he came, to give you a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Worry does not have its place in your heart. Instead of worry, worship. Instead of worry, worship. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, I come to you by faith in your name, Lord. God, there are people right here, there are people watching this, there are people listening to this even weeks later from now, God, who are bound, who are, who are burdened. God, it is not your will, it is not your pleasure, God, that we worry. So, Lord, I pray that first we would, we would, we would spend time just meditating on this text, God, in Matthew 6, that we would just go through it because there's so much more that we didn't get to. God, that we would just meditate on the text, God, that we would give you our worries, that we would, we would do what Peter said. We would cast our, our anxieties, our concerns, our worries on you because you care for us. God, the Spirit of God inspired Peter to write that, Lord. So we cast that to you. We, we make that exchange with you, Lord. And some of us are carrying around the burden of our own sin. We've never asked you to be the Lord of our life.
And Lord, right now, we can take this opportunity. God, even at home, God, even in our car, God, even in this room, Lord, just to say, God, I'm laying down my own shame, my own sin, my own guilt. God, I'm asking you to be the forgiver of my sins, Lord, to be the Lord of my life. Romans 10 says that if we confess him as Je that Jesus is Lord with our mouth, that if we believe him, that, that God raised him from the dead in our hearts, that we will be saved. And right now, God, I'm praying that people would make that exchange. Father, be the forgiver of my sins. Be the Lord of my life. Come make yourself at home in me. I give you my heart. I give you my concerns. I give you my worries. Come live in me. You are Lord. I put you first. And in that moment, the Bible says we are saved. We are made right with God. I thank you for it. I pray for my brothers and my sisters and my friends who right now are worried and concerned, I pray that they would cast that off of them in Jesus' name. I pray this, and everybody says a good amen. Give it up for Jesus, would you? Hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If this ministry has impacted you in any way and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, please visit lifepointsa.com slash give to make a donation. We hope you have a great rest of your week, and we hope to see you soon at one of our Sunday worship experiences. God bless.